Hey, hey, this is Megan, and you're listening to the Salesy Podcast. This is a podcast for a modern business owner where you will learn how to build your business while staying true to yourself at the same time. As a sales expert of the last eight years and an online business owner, I am here to teach you tangible sales techniques rooted in psychology and human behavior. Get your earbuds on and your salesy notebook out and let's get started today. So I recently got this message in my DMs and it was talking about trying to create consistency inside the sales process and the things that they have tried. So this episode is for you if you have tried to create content here and there to push to your offer, you've tried to grow an email list or you've launched a freebie and you haven't seen the fruits of your labor or you're building relationships and engaging with other people, maybe you feel like you need to sell more and you don't know how or how often. Because let me tell you, this is the number one thing that I get questions around. And this is actually something that we solve as soon as you start inconsistent sales system. So let's talk about, you know, why some of the things that you think work don't actually work and how one, you can adjust it. And two, you can actually start to see an ROI on your efforts and what that looks like. So the first thing to consider with all that I've mentioned, so creating content, building an email list, building relationships, is that there is not a direct sell in a lot of times that you're doing this. And I know it's terrifying starting a business, getting online, talking about your offer and all of these things. But what most people don't realize is that your indirectness and vagueness is actually turning off people because they don't know how to buy from you. Think about it this way. If I came on here and I said, you know, if you want to, or it's in your future, and I was super vague about an answer, you would probably turn this podcast off. If I was direct and clear and said, hey, by listening to this podcast, you will get a solution on how to create content that actually moves people to look at your sales page, growing an email list so that you can create conversion from it and what that actually looks like, and why building relationships isn't going to be your best time spent in the DMs, you're going to keep listening. Because vagueness and directness, the opposites of each other, do one thing in our brain and that closes a loop. When you're vague, you don't close the loop and the brain doesn't get that satisfaction. When you do close that loop and you say, hey, I have a solution and it's sitting over here when you take that investment, more people are more likely to move towards that. So the first thing is to start being more direct. Here's the thing. When we come to creating sales-based content, a lot of times people sell the thing and they don't sell the benefit of it. I had a mentor tell me, you know, you don't sell the product, you sell the product of the product, meaning I'm not selling sales coaching. You are not selling copywriting. You are not selling Dubs Auto Build. You are not doing a lot of the things that you are. What you're actually selling is the product of that coaching or that service. For example, for me, my clients are able to work 50% less. They're able to grow their income at least 2x in the first 90 days, if not more. That allows me to say, no, you don't really need sales coaching. What you want is to work less and make more. You don't really need beautiful copy. What you want is people to end up on that website and be able to invest and grow with you. You don't need a Dubs Auto build, but what you want is to be able to reply to inquiries at any time. So when it comes to content, what you want to focus away from is selling the specific thing, which 
feels like condescending because we just talked about being vague, but selling the product of it specifically. When that comes to content, the more specific you can be, the better. And so what that looks like is not saying, you know, three reasons why you need an OBM. It's talking about three changes that you can make in your business so that you can have less time. And one of them would be hiring that OBM. The other side of content is this kind of trap that we fall into of either producing content that we want to see or producing content that we think people want to see without listening to people. So there is something called insights, you know, analytics that you can actually look at. And a lot of times we focus on likes and comments, but what you need to remember is that liking is an automatic response and comments is something that they could be paying an engagement person to do. So depending on what you're offering, you want to focus on how many times do they go to your profile? What kind of saves is this getting? Because saves says like, hey, this is valuable. I want to come back to it. And share says, hey, this is valuable. I want to share with it, share with other people. When it comes to these type of metrics on your content, what it's saying is, okay, they like this. And because they like this, I'm going to double down and talk about it. And I'm not afraid to repeat myself because when it comes back to content, repeating yourself is actually more beneficial for you. I've been saying the same thing for almost four years now. I know it's crazy. And it's like, you think it always has to be something new and exciting, but it can be the same stuff over and over. And what it's going to allow you to do with that repetition is really concrete it in and be able to say, okay, you know, maybe the new trend is being able to skyrocket on reels, but in a content strategy that's reaching your customer. And so, yes, repeating yourself can feel hard and it can feel like, oh, I'm just saying the same things over and over again. You want that repetition because you can change your core message to match the results. I know that was a little confusing, so I'm going to summarize it for you. When it comes to creating content, we want to focus on what our customers are actually engaging with. We want to be mindful that we can be repetitive and allow ourselves to be repetitive, and we want to look into our insights on a regular basis. This is going to lead to email lists and building relationships. Here's the thing is that you don't need to have a relationship and no like trust is dead. Just because you like someone doesn't mean you're going to buy from them. And a lot of times when it comes to no like and trust, we really rely on this idea of like because also it is feeding our ego. Now here is the problem with feeding our ego in the sales process is that if you're trying to get validated in your sales process, you need to get validated anywhere else but sales. Because our lead is not there to validate us. And because they're not there to validate us, what's going to happen is that you are going to really heavy on being the most liked, the most friendly, and that's not going to fill your bank account. That's not going to make you money. And that's why I don't tell my clients to focus on no like, and trust. Because people get heavily caught up in the like. Knowing and trusting someone is where you actually make money. Liking just comes from they're able to see similar attributes of themselves inside of you. So it's not even that they actually like you as a person. It's that they can see themselves. When it comes to knowing someone, that's where your repetition is going to lean in. You really have to tell people over and over and over what you do why you do it, and how they can work with you. And it's so tedious, but at the same time, until people start repeating back what you're saying, you really have to double down on that. The trust part says that you're an expert and you have a solution for them. So instead of being the most friendly, the most liked, 
the most popular, what you want to think about is how does my ideal client gain trust and how can I showcase that? I know inside of buyer psychology, we talk about the four buyer types. And if you haven't gotten an opportunity to learn them, I'm going to take a little brief jaunt into that to talk about how different buyer types trust different people. So the four buyer types are really kind of relating onto what the main buying motive is. And that main buying motive is going to help you be able to speak to them. So your first buyer type is going to be your Debbie. It's going to be your driver buyer. They build trust through results and seeing those results. And so a lot of times building authority is actually showing your expertise and how your expertise helps you. This is when I post about how many books I've read, how many clients I've helped, how much money I've made. It's this type of thing. Now, some people are like, well, I don't buy from authority. Guess what? How you buy is how you typically sell, but there are other people out there who have different cues to buy. So if you haven't lately, take a moment and humble brag for yourself. Talk about how much experience you have, how many people you've helped, what are some results of campaigns or things that you've done, and if they're not huge, guess what? Your ideal client isn't taking these results and comparing them to large names in the industry. They're taking these results and comparing to where they're currently at and seeing if you can take them there. And by not showcasing results and not not showcasing client wins, you are not connecting with that buyer. And by not connecting with that buyer, you could be missing out on a major selection of your audience who buys from that. So on the other side, we have analytical buyers. And when we are talking and creating content to them and building trust around them, analytical buyers want to know that their money is going to be taken care of, it's going to be used smartly, and that they're going to get exactly what they want when it comes to a resource. And a lot of times when people think analytical buyers, you think you just slap up a slide and talk about, you know, how many programs and those types of things. But analytical buyers also rely heavily on case studies and case studies that showcase numbers in analytics and the correlation between the numbers, the analytics, and the results. When I say numbers and analytics, what I mean is like analytics that you're pulling. Numbers could be, you know, where they were at, things that aren't full analytics. So when thinking about these analytical buyers, before you just slap up another slide that says you get X amount of calls and this is the day, I want you to think about, you know, why do these details matter to them and how knowing these details actually help them be able to make a buying decision. So building trust with an analytical buyer also means that you would really respect their time, who they are, and how they want to grow. And instead of focusing on you and what you want, you really focus on, okay, what's the information that you need to make an informed decision? Now, emotional buyers are next buyers, and they have a gut feeling, which means they really trust their limbic brain. Our limbic brains don't actually have capacity for language, which can be really hard in the sales process, but you know... The easiest way to shortcut language and feelings to take feelings to words is to paint specific imagery. So when it comes to building trust with these emotional buyers, not only acknowledging that that's important for them to trust their feeling, to be in the energy, whatever they specifically I laugh because I'm not an emotional buyer, but I can be an emotional buyer. Whatever they decide is kind of the qualifier. And then also, you know, painting specific images when using those if statements. You know, if you were able to solve this problem, if you were able to get more clients, you know, how would that feel for you? Where would you feel it in your body? Really using the somatic techniques and some things that we also see in like EMDR therapy to allow people to drop in, have that emotional response, which is triggered by their limbic system and then be able to make the decision. So building trust with the connection-based buyer 
is actually intimacy. And what I'm not talking about intimacy, I'm not talking about, you know, being intimate with someone else. What I'm talking about is vulnerability and trust that shows that you value their connection and who they are. And so building trust with a connection-based buyer is actually remembering what they tell you, even if that means keeping notes on some of these leads. Like, y'all, we do it too. We keep notes on leads on the back end. And also being able to say, okay, you know, we've had this conversation. I'd love to help you more. And based on our connection, I really think that I can serve you. Trust is going to be a key component. And that's why we see so much connection and relationship building in the DMs is because, you know, you want to be liked, you want to be trusted so that people buy from you, but not utilizing the buyer types and not utilizing that inside your content to also target those people is where a lot of people miss the mark. And then they get stuck in the like phase. And then they're like, well, I'm really liked about this person. But when they need help with this specific thing, they're not coming to me because they don't trust you. So really building trust and really thinking about that. Also be clear and intentional in your DMs. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, I come here to connect and, you know, build community. What's the point of you building a community if you're not making money inside of your business? That's one thing a lot of people don't consider is that building community is kind of this, you know, like mask to say that like instead of I'm, you know, sourcing leads and finding leads here because I want to build my business and I want to make money, which can feel gross and disgusting, they're like, I'm building community. So that piece of it really takes away this idea of, you know, using no like, and trust. And then additionally, spending time connecting and building. I'm going to shock you guys for a moment that there are some people who come into my DMs who buy right away who I have no relationship to and I've never built a relationship and they've still spent $5,000, $10,000, $20,000. So that time that you're spending, I want you to be more intentional with how is this, you know, becoming a sales producing activity. And if I'm looking for validation in that sales process, where can I find it elsewhere? The last piece specifically with this message is building an email list, which is also tied with a freebie. Raise your hand, which I'm not going to see it. I wish I could. Raise your hand if you have ever been told to build a freebie to attract new people to buy. I'm raising my hand too because it's true. And while it was a really good method and it still is a really good method, there has to be an intention to sell to this specific group of people and the freebie has to directly correlate with it. Now, a lot of people want to go more passive in their sales process to avoid rejection and those types of things. And I have a whole episode coming about what I've learned about objection, rejection, and fear. But what I will say with this specifically is that when you have an email list, one, consistency is key, and two, you don't have to have a freebie to get people to join it, but you need to consider what are the processes that someone needs to go through to then buy from the email list and have the intention of them selling. Now, email is a long game, and where a lot of people get frustrated with the sales process is they're trying to make money yesterday. They have a bill they need to pay, they have a goal that they want to reach, and they're trying to make money, and so email can be frustrating. What I would say specifically is if you have launched a freebie and you've seen successful results from that, you should use something like account-based marketing or just email software to go ahead and connect and sell to them. If you're like, hey, that's not for me and I've tried it out, here's the other side of it is that email typically converts at a 40% conversion 
But to get that conversion, you have to ask people. And sometimes you have to have multiple call to actions or buttons that have the same link attached to it based on how people read their emails. And again, going back to the buyer types, different buyer types are going to buy from different things. So having different content and mixing it up in your emails is going to be really important inside of that process. When people get stuck on email, a lot of times you haven't put enough effort in it or there's a fear of not wanting to email people too much because X, Y, and Z. And I'll say this, email is very profitable when it's done correctly. We recently went through a launch with Buyer Psychology and email actually really drove that launch because we were collecting emails, we were nurturing, and we were emailing them multiple times a day when I had never done that before. So if you're somebody who you know, you're like, I want to try email. What I would say is play the long game with email and really come back to like, how can I get in the DMs and how can I have conversations that are going to convert? And if you're struggling with this, reach out. Let's talk about consistent sales system because that's what we actually do inside of there. We have clients who come in, they make money, they know how to have conversations and they feel confident doing so. If you have any recommendations or episodes that you want to see, you can always send me an email. And then in addition to that, send me an email. You can send me a DM on Instagram. Remember, ratings and reviews help us get this podcast out to other people. So if you haven't, go ahead and put a review below. Have a great day. If you have loved today's podcast episode, go ahead and take a moment to rate and review on whatever you choose as your platform to listen. Rating and reviews help us not only be able to serve you deeper, but to bring more people in to learn more about sales. If you ever want to check out the behind the scenes, go down to the show notes. My Instagram is always linked and I will see you next Wednesday for another episode of Salesy.